Here's your Thursday edition of Transformation Radio. My name is Corey Carlson. I'm 23 years old, and I'm from Washington Courthouse, Ohio. I had a pretty um, normal upbringing. Grew up in a Christian household. I was one of six children. Life was good. For some reason, though, I decided that from an early age I was going to run from God and and not answer the call that, that I, I knew I had in my life. As I kept running, I, I was turning more and more towards drugs as I got into high school. Once leaving high school, my addiction really took off, even through college, going to police academy and multiple business opportunities I still continued to use. And as a result of my usage, I was able, you know, I, I'm unsuccessful in completing anything really in my life as far as, you know, businesses being given to me or careers, I basically have chose to squander it all away uh, due to my opiate addiction. In 2014, April, I had a really bad relapse due to a close friend dying of an overdose. For some reason, I decided to go get high. And as a result, I found myself in the hospital basically April through November due to complications from my overdose on crack and cocaine. I had to undergo two open hearts and a couple other heart surgeries uh, due to uh, the damage that was done and other damage uh, that I had done due to my addiction. But fortunately, through that experience, I was able to meet Chelsea, um, who's the love of my life. And I was also able to come in contact with Doug Shotsky. He actually came and um, ministered to me while I was in the room, uh, in the hospital room, uh, basically dying. And through a series of events, I always knew that this place, The Refuge, was going to be my kind of uh, back pocket, basically, thing that, you know, if something were to happen, that this is where I would go. I relapsed once again and found myself um, needing a place to go. And after a discussion with Chelsea and Doug, um, we decided that it was time to come to the refuge. Since I've been here, it's been amazing. The relationships that I've been able to build with with guys has been amazing. A lot have come and gone and moved on um, in various ways, but so many men here have been a complete inspiration and blessing in my life. Since I've been here at the refuge, I've been able to reconsecrate my life to God and and really gain um, that personal relationship with Him again that goes beyond just the Sunday morning, yeah, I'm here at church, but I I truly have a relationship with Him again, and it's amazing. I have every full intention of completing the program, and I really hope that I'm able to see many men's lives transformed through this program is because I've already seen so many lives change. I'm just ready to see so many more changed. Thank you. Sing 
things that brought me here You know the story of every tear Cause you've been here from the very start attention to the reading of the New Testament, and our narrative today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 3, verses 23 through 38. Here's a bit of an overview of some of what we'll be reading about in Scripture today. Now imagine the Savior of the world working in a small town carpenter shop until he was 30 years old. Well, it seems incredible that Jesus would have been content to remain in Nazareth all that time, but he patiently trusted his Father's timing for his life and ministry. Thirty was the prescribed age for priests to begin their ministry. That was established back in Numbers chapter 4, verse 3. Now Joseph was thirty years old when he began serving the king of Egypt. That's back in Genesis chapter 41, uh, verse 46, if you want to check that. David was thirty years old when he became king. He began to reign over Judah as king. That's recorded in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 5. So, age 30, then, was a good time to begin an important task in the Jewish culture. Like Jesus, we need to resist the temptation to jump ahead before receiving the Spirit's direction. Are you waiting and wondering what your next step should be? 
Don't jump. Don't jump ahead. Trust God's timing. He will let you know, and He'll let you know in a way that you will know unequivocally that you're hearing from the Spirit of the living Lord. He'll lead you and guide you. Now, Matthew's genealogy, we're going to read the entire thing, uh, goes all the way back to Abraham and shows clearly that Jesus was related to all Jews. This genealogy here is quite fascinating because it reaches all the way back to Adam. Luke's genealogy goes back all the way to the very beginning, showing that Jesus is related to all human beings. Now, this is consistent with Luke's picture of Jesus as the Savior of the whole world, not just Savior of the Jewish people. So, once again, Matthew's genealogy goes back to Abraham, but here today in uh, the book of Luke, we'll see that uh, his genealogy goes all the way back to Adam. And it can uh, be like reading the phone book, but it is fascinating when you hear all these names and realize as uh, we're listening to them that each one is connected directly through family line all the way to Jesus. Quite amazing. So with that, let's begin our reading here today in the New Testament. March 19th, the New Testament. Luke chapter 3, verses 23 through 38. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Eli. Eli was the son of Mephat. Mephat was the son of Levi. Levi was the son of Melchi. Melchi was the son of Janai. Janai was the son of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Mattathias. Mattathias was the son of Amos. Amos was the son of Nehum. Nehum was the son of Ezlai. Ezlai was the son of Nagai. Nagai was the son of Maath. Maath was the son of Mattathias. Mattathias was the son of Simeon. Simeon was the son of Josek. Josek was the son of Joda. Joda was the son of Joanan. Joanan was the son of Reza. Reza was the son of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the son of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the son of Neri. Neri was the son of Melchi. Melchi was the son of Adai. Adai was the son of Kazam. Kazam was the son of Elmadam. Elmadam was the son of Ur. Ur was the son of Joshua. Joshua was the son of Eleazar. Eleazar was the son of Jorim. Jorim was the son of Mathet. Mathet was the son of Levi. Levi was the son of Simeon. Simeon was the son of Judah. Judah was the son of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jonam. Jonam was the son of Eliakim. Eliakim was the son of Melea. Melea was the son of Minna. Minna was the son of Mataha. Mataha was the son of Nathan. Nathan was the son of David. David was the son of Jesse. Jesse was the son of Obed. Obed was the son of Boaz. Boaz was the son of Salmon. Salmon was the son of Nashon. Nashon was the son of Aminadab. Aminadab was the son of Admin. Admin was the son of Arnai. Arnai was the son of Hezron. Hezron was the son of Perez. Perez was the son of Judah. Judah was the son of Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. Abraham was the son of Terah. Terah was the son of Nahor. Nahor was the son of Serug. Serug was the son of Reu. Reu was the son of Peleg. Peleg was the son of Eber. Eber was the son of Shelah. Shelah was the son of Canaan. Canaan was the son of Arphaxad. Arphaxad was the son of Shem. Shem was the son of Noah. Noah was the son of Lamech. 
Lamech was the son of Methuselah. Methuselah was the son of Enoch. Enoch was the son of Jared. Jared was the son of Mahalalel. Mahalalel was the son of Kenan. Kenan was the son of Enosh. Enosh was the son of Seth. Seth was the son of Adam. Adam was the son of God. Psalm 62, verses 1 through 12. Before our actual reading of the text here in Scripture, let's uh, do a little commentary on what we'll be reading about to help our understanding. Uh, David expressed his feelings to God and then reaffirmed his faith. Prayer can release our tensions in times of emotional stress. Trusting God to be our rock, salvation, and fortress will change our entire outlook on life. No longer must we be held captive by resentment toward others when they hurt us. When we're resting in God's strength, nothing can shake us. It is tempting to use honor, power, wealth, or prestige to measure people. We may even think that such people are really getting ahead in life. But on God's scales, these people are lighter than a breath of air. All of them put together, lighter than one breath of air. What then can tilt the scales when God weighs us? Well, trusting God and working for Him. Wealth, honor, power, or prestige add nothing to our value in God's eyes. Only the faithful work we do for Him has eternal value. Psalm 62 Verses 1 through 12. For Jeduthun, the choir director, a psalm of David. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. So many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I'm just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. Interlude Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O oh, my people, trust in Him at all times. Pour out your heart to Him, for God is our refuge. Interlude Common people are as worthless as a puff of wind, and the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on scales, together they are lighter than a breath of air. Don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases... Don't make it the center of your life. God has spoken plainly, and I have heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you repay all people according to what they have done. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 18 and 19. Evil people get rich for the moment, but the reward of the godly will last. Godly people find life. Evil people find death. There's no space that His love can't reach. There's no place where we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace. 
Scripture reading begins in verse 13 of James chapter 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. 
Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Referring to a believer, Scripture says that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effective, that's exactly what we want our prayers to be, especially in a crisis. When we meet God's requirements, we can be confident that He'll not only hear our concerns, but will also act on them in accordance with His purposes. Requirement number one, fervent prayer. Motivated by a deeply burdened heart, fervent prayers are filled with passion and a strong sense of personal helplessness. They also have a narrow focus on some specific difficulty about which we care deeply. Scripture calls this type of prayer, laboring earnestly. Requirement number two, righteousness. As soon as we place our trust in the Savior, we become rightly related to God as His children. At that moment, we're permanently sealed with the Holy Spirit and are declared righteous forever because of our position in Jesus Christ. While salvation is by faith rather than by deeds, genuine faith will result in an obedient lifestyle and good works. If we willingly and knowingly engage in sin, then we're not living like the righteous people we are. When the Lord hears the impassioned prayer of a righteous person, a surrendered Christian, Scripture promises that the Holy Spirit will accomplish His divine work. God responds with great power to the prayers of even one righteous person. That person can be you. Hey, this is Zach Pruitt here with Transformation Radio, reminding you that this Saturday is Family Day for Phase 2 out in Lancaster. This is a great time for all the men in Phase 2 to enjoy visits from their family and begin to experience the promise of God's restoration in their life. This also means that this Sunday is Encounter for the Refuge Ministries. This is where all four phases of the ministry get together for a time to encounter God in a real and personal way. Hope everybody has fun this weekend, and thanks for listening to Transformation Radio.
The Lored Business Network, in association with the Refuge Ministries, presents one of the 40 principles of the Foundation for Achievement. John, this next principle is the principle of judgment, and I believe it's one of the most important because there is a difference between making a decision as a leader or passing judgment. And this is uh, taken right from the book of Proverbs. Any story sounds true until someone tells the other side and sets the record straight. That is then judgment. Uh, judgment then comes from once you hear both sides of the story, then you make a right judgment. Mm-hmm. And that is that is critical uh, in our lives, but not only in our lives, but uh, very much in our courts. You know, hear both sides of the story. That's why they're saying that to tell the truth, the truth, nothing but the truth. The whole truth. The whole truth. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's uh, visit our principal. One of the finest leadership qualities is to be able to make right judgments. Right judgments are not attained and then maintained. Instead, they are a God-given insight into each situation or person on a daily basis. Leadership is really leading people through situations, keeping them focused on the desired end results. This takes good judgment. Otherwise, situations will turn into disasters. Good leaders should always be concerned about their personal judgments or discernment, for their reputation and futures are at stake. That's really true. You know, I mentioned here that uh, uh, they are instead God-given insight into each situation or person on a daily basis. And that really is what leadership is. Leadership is able to discern the situations and what what brings cause and reactions and behaviors. And so... When you look into that, then you need good judgment. If you don't have good judgment on that, then you'll misjudge something or a misjudge a person uh, or a situation. And if, 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 if you don't have that, then, then you can't be a good leader. You've got to be able to look through the smoke screens of situations and see the reason for that. I call it, uh, I usually say that God had made laws but he made him for a reason. And if you can find out the reason, you will appreciate God. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and that's beautiful. Judge, good judgment comes if you can find out the reason for things. Now, this is kind of the profile of people who have good judgment. Number one, they are honest with themselves and have no hidden agendas. That is really true because, first of all, people will not be uh, transparent to you unless they know that, unless they know you as a person, that you are, uh, you have no hidden agendas and stuff like that. You're not, uh, you're not uh, trying to, promote one or take another one down uh, that you're just transparent then they will be transparent and then that allows you to make judgment number two they are more concerned about what is right than who is right now, we've used that before that is that is powerful every person every person in the world should be able to quote that and say that is the key to almost life itself and especially from a leader's standpoint it's not it, it's not so important as to who's right as what's right that will solve you a lot of problems and give you good judgments number three you are not too proud to ask for others opinions that see that that, again leaders sometimes are haughty and cocky and and they feel like i'm the leader i'm in a position and i use my position power and so it's not important you know they're they're they're, they're too proud to ask you know a lot of times people i hear people say on tv a lot of times they never admit anything you know don't admit anything even politicians say they never admit that they misquoted something or misstated something or something like that. To them, it's a sign of weakness. To me, it's a sign of character because, because nobody is always right. What's the matter with saying, like, hey, I, I misjudged that or something like that? Then that becomes good judgment. Yes. Yeah. Matthew 7 says that in order to make right judgments, we must first judge ourselves because we tend to judge others accordingly 
to our own perceptions. We usually see in others what we see in ourselves. If we have greed, hatred, or strife within us, we will think others have the same. We will judge them accordingly because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. I mean, that, 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 those are words from Jesus himself. Uh, we usually see in others what we are ourselves. You know, uh, Jesus mentioned about the, uh, the, the uh, beam in someone's eye. Yes, uh-huh. you, you see the little speck in someone's eye. Uh, but but you got a beam in your <laughs> eye. That's why you see because you see through yes. your beam. Wow. You see the speck somewhere else, and that is absolutely true. So your attitude about life, your attitude about people, your attitude about things is reflected. And so you see what you what you are yourself. You have a tendency of seeing. If you think everybody else is a crook, then I wouldn't trust you, because if that's what you really believe, then 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 you pretty much are a crook yourself. Maybe you don't intend to be. You don't think you are. But if you don't trust anybody, yes. then you judge accordingly. You make your judgments accordingly. Righteous judgments can be made only when we see into the heart of the problem or person without our personal interest and feelings involved. That is not always easy because within every situation there are personalities involved. Most of the problems are people problems involving emotions, hot tempers, and some smooth talkers. Everyone is willing to tell their side of the story, and of course, no one wants to take the blame. So good judgment comes from sorting out all the trash by listening to both mm-hmm. sides of the problem until we sense a truth in the situation. That's so powerful, John, that uh, uh, you're actually discerning the gift yeah. of discernment all through that. That's what judges are. You know, uh, uh, judges in our courts, uh, that's, that's their job is to listen to both sides of the story to see if they can pick up. <laughs> the junk and sort out the trash uh-huh. and say like man I'm beginning to understand this and then they'll make a judgment and it's based upon they'll listen to both sides and tell their story they're allowed to tell their story and to justify <laughs> then finally somebody slips up and yes. and then the judge says boy I see right into this thing and then he'll make a judgment based sure. upon that but that's that's the way it's supposed to be when you hear both sides of the story then you can make a better judgment Yeah. any story sounds good until we hear the other side once we feel we understand the situation, we must make a judgment on what to do. In most cases, it is wise not to blame just one person but the team because it takes a team to win. When we put all the blame on one person, it divides the team. A good line to use is this. You know, I know that Joe was primarily at fault, but it could have been avoided if everyone would have been more careful. Then forgive and set the rules for the future. That's important in judgment, John, that you always set the rules for the future. That's right. There's two points here that I want to make. One is this, that that the team, uh, sometimes if you just blame a person, uh, first of all, you destroy the person, but it doesn't make the others responsible. But when you blame the team, uh, when, when you kind of put a little blame on the whole team, it makes the whole team. Because I'm a believer that teams work, that individuals can make major achievements themselves. But you have a tendency of building walls if you if you put if if you go individual blame or honor uh, then uh, then you divide the team and the team is important uh, but it's important to forgive then and to go on because if you don't if you all around it once it's dealt with uh-huh. put it under and a lot don't allow people to harbor that again and talk about it dwelling on and blaming people for past mistakes stunts our present growth because we are being held captive to the past and it takes away our future. Good judgment is often learned from mistakes that set the pace for the future. Problems are usually covered by a smokescreen, and if we don't listen carefully, we will make wrong judgments and blame the wrong people. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean there, there, those are powerful statements in there. Good judgment is often learned from mistakes. In other words, 
a lot of times in companies, a lot of times running a company, you don't know everything. Leadership, they claim they know about everything, but they don't. Leadership don't. You learn more from your employees, and uh, and you learn from mistakes. So if you wait until you have all the answers, first of all, you'll never get into business. You know, you, you get a certain amount of answers and a certain amount of things that you know, but then the rest of it is experienced, and then you grow from that, and you learn, and then you become sharp in your business. Uh-huh. Then you learn the techniques and things that work and don't work. And so that's really critical, but the way you handle them is very, very important. We must also be able to make right judgments in our world of high-pressure sales. Controlling the thoughts of a person in order to get him to see only one side of the story until he signs the contract is considered salesmanship by worldly standards. But that is manipulation. We can be sold down the river unless we have some insight and right judgment about people, especially salespeople. John, why is that, that, that sales is well, always so well, one-sided? Sales, sales is this. You go in to make a sales call. you got one objective in mind, and that is to make the sale. You only want to present one side of the story. That, that, that's, that's the way to sell. You only want a, one perspective. Every point takes you closer to one side of the story. And... It's good to hear one side of the story. That's good. But but if, if if you don't watch it, you get sucked into that, and sometimes you buy and hate yourself for buying. Uh-huh. And as a businessman, you, you have you have to be careful because you'll be sold on things that you don't even need. But uh, but you have to say, listen to salespeople. You've got to hear that story because they, they might have what you need. So it's not wrong to, to listen to that. But when you hear salespeople as a business person or any person, you have to then sit back and take – an evaluation, how does that apply to what I'm doing? How does that apply to my business or to me personally? What benefits will I get for it? Is it the right decision? Is the financial situation? We've got to make other judgments based upon that. But a salesperson, their goal is to get you signed the contract. Yes. And they don't, they're usually one-sided. You know, a good salesman will take into consideration you as a person saying, like, this is how it will benefit you and give you direct applications as to why you should. They usually they don't they're not just one sided. They will actually want to know more about your business so that they can help you make a wise decision. That's a good salesperson. But we have to be careful because there's high high pitched salespeople sure. anymore that'll just take you on a ride and they don't they don't even care. Yeah. They have no mercy on you. Right judgment is a value that is needed every hour of every day. So seek insight by listening and thinking it over. Then judge from a pure heart. If we do not buy or sell or make decisions when we are under pressure, we will become known as wise leaders. One of our favorite lines should be this, Hey, I want to think it over. This will give us favor with God and people and a reputation of a leader with right judgments. That's right, because in almost every situation, whether it's sales or whatever it is, it's a good line to say, Well, I, I want to think it over. Be careful when you make quick decisions. As you get older and more experienced, you might be able to make quicker decisions, and you know, uh, I grant you that. But, but through life, it's very important to think through it uh, thoroughly, and do not be afraid if you have any doubts, any questions. Well, I'm going to sleep on it, you yes. know. But salespeople will not want you to sleep on it because they're afraid that you'll rationalize something, then you they won't get the sale. Uh, but that is a real good line, and it saves us from a lot of problems because I've. I, I made some quick decisions years, years ago, but it would, taught me a lesson. It taught me a lesson, and now that's one of my favorite lines. Well, let me let me think about it. Uh, I want to think it over, and I'm going to sort it out. Because we're dealing with judgments, good judgments, uh-huh. because they're they're what make us make our future. So it's very important. 
What a powerful principle that is, John, the leadership principle of judgment. Uh, Give us a recap on just what that is all about. You know, I was just thinking about uh, Solomon. Uh, He's the man that said, uh, hearing both sides of the story makes one wise. And uh, a good judgments really come from a broad understanding of life itself. That that's very important, and also situations. But really, life is primarily people understanding people. So if you understand their temperament, you understand what causes them to act and react, then you can make better judgment. For this person that brought about that baby, and then he made a judgment, said, uh, "Cut the baby in half." And uh, people say, "Well, that's ruthless judgment." Uh, but he understood the lady that had the baby that was there, that she would not allow it to be killed. She would rather give it away than allow it to be killed. And that became a good judgment. So so we have to judge things by a different standard sometimes. It's deeper than what the facts show. You have to judge it from the emotions of people and understanding people. Because that's what really judgments are. But it's very, very critical that we have a broad understanding of life itself and understanding people, their temperaments, and what causes them to act and react. And that's a lifetime pursuit of a leader, is to understand that, because it'll help him make wise decisions. That does it for today's podcast. Make sure to tune in tomorrow for the next edition of Transformation Radio.